I've been rereading A Thousand Brains, A New Theory of Intelligence, and it's by Jeff Hawkins. And I've read it several times. I listened to it as an audiobook, and then I read it to my roommate. And then I'm reading it to my mom. And I'm so glad, actually, that I've read it so many times. It's really... So it's just like the Book of Mormon. You learn something new every time you read it. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. I apologize for saying that. I love those dry retching sounds you added in the end there. Yeah. <laughs> I'll do Brother Ben's response. Yes. Yes. Oh my God. Anyway, he talks about viral false beliefs, basically a meme. For an idea to be a false belief that's viral, it has to have some sort of self-replicating part of it. And unfortunately, a lot of human false beliefs do have a self-replicating part in it. Oh, yeah? Take Christianity, for example. There is a clause baked into it, which is the Great Commission, that says, now that you believe all of this shit, you now need to go out and expand the group of people that believe this shit. It's a pyramid scheme. (laughs) Right? It actively tries to promote itself... There's one scripture in Doctrine and Covenants 18, 15, and 16. It says, And if it so be that ye should labor all your days in crying repentance unto this people, and bring, save it be, one soul unto me, how great shall be your joy with him in the kingdom of my Father. And now, if your joy be great with one soul that you have brought unto me in the kingdom of my Father, how great will be your joy if you should bring many souls to me. So, like, I think I've mentioned, I used to work for an audiovisual company and we worked for a hotel up in Salt Lake City and we did conventions and stuff like that and one of the major things we would do is multi-level marketing companies would come in and have meetings there and there would be two kinds of meetings there would be one for the higher ups basically the people who are actually in control of the company and actually making the money and then there would be another meeting type and that would be for all the distributors or whatever the hell they called and like in the distributor one, it was basically like a tent revival. Yeah. It was all about (laughs) testimonials and talking about how it'll change your life and everything like this. (laughs) And then when it was the higher ups, it was always business and it was always like, how can we get more people to join us so we can make more Uh, money? Like the difference between the two meetings were like night and day. And you know, oftentimes I'd have to sit in a room all day running the AV equipment for these Uh, meetings and like just... You must have wanted to put a microphone through your eye or something just to get out of there often yes but like to use the mormon parlance the spirit in the room basically the vibe Mm. was so just 180 degrees diametrically opposed between those two meetings i would love to be a fly on a wall up in salt lake city during one of the meetings of the 12 apostles to see if they're like that wouldn't that be rad or if they actually buy into it Uh uh-huh one of the lawsuits that ed was talking about last week is using as part of its argument apostles and the people at the top are actually not sincere in their beliefs and therefore they are suing for recompense for their tithing. Alright, so there are a few links I sent through and I'm going to talk about them. Mm-hmm. Alright, so she is the Utah House Majority Assistant Whip. Majority meaning, of course, the Republicans because they won the House. Right, they have a super majority here in Utah. They're able to basically run roughshod over everything. It's not like a regular 
regular majority, it's a super majority. It's Utah's superpower. Something like nine-tenths are Mormon in our state government, so... Well, let me tell you some facts about this woman. Her name is Carrie Ann Lizensby. So apparently she sponsored some legislation for a provisional concealed carry permit. Not surprising. In Utah, are you allowed to walk around with guns that are concealed? Honestly, I don't know. I don't fuck with guns. Yeah. One of my sister's very close friends committed suicide back when we were 16, 17. And then I had an acquaintance who committed suicide with a gun a week before my girlfriend committed suicide. And, fuck me. You know, so I have seen people take their lives with guns involved in my personal life. And also with my struggles with mental health, I have never, like, wanted to own a gun. No. Like, when Trump got elected, that was the closest I ever to, I ought to get a gun <laughs> because I live among a whole bunch of dumbass rednecks that all have guns. Oh and I God. am out here flying a giant 3x5 pride flag outside my house and I've got, you know, stickers all over my car. Good on you. One is a dragon dad sticker, which is just a white outline of a dragon. And the other one is an Allosaurus. So it's a dinosaur, but it's an ally dinosaur. So ally. Oh, that's cool. Allosaurus. And then the third one is I just got a, a rainbow banner yeah. on the tailgate of my SUV. And I actually had some kids drive by and shoot out the back window of my car one time. Probably because what? I had that. Yeah, sure. They shot out your back window. With a BB gun, yeah. Oh, but still, Jesus Christ. So, yeah, I was more annoyed. A BB gun that can shoot out a window, that's a gun. Yes, it is a gun. It might as well be a twenty-two. Well, to be fair, I mean, the way tempered glass is, it's two sheets of plastic on either side of glass, and once it shatters, it's shot. So it's not like you could shoot a hole through it. Yeah. I was mostly annoyed, but luckily I have glass insurance on my car insurance, so two days later it was back up. And, you know, three days later, I had the stickers, you know, replaced. And then a month or two later, I crashed that car. So <laughs> I had to get new stickers anyways, again. As someone who lives in Australia with different laws, I want you to know that the culture you live in where religious dipshits with BB guns go around and shoot out your back window if they don't like what you believe is fucked up. Mm -hmm. It's great that you're chill about it because you got to be chill about life's little problems. And it's great that you're not angry, but it's fucked up. That's really fucked up. Yeah, I hate it. Well, the good news is at a federal level, it seems like there's a little bit more sanity coming to your voted in officials. It sort of swung the other way for a bit. Yes and no. <laughs> I mean, the Senate is actually still in Democrat control. It looks likely that the Republicans will take control of the House, but it's not 100% guaranteed. And there has been a number of races that were predicted to go the Republicans' way that didn't. It's going to be messy. What happened with Herschel Walker? Did he win anything? Or are they still up in the air about that? There's going to be a runoff in December with that one. Oh, my God. Does he have the patience to last that long? Because he seems like the sort of guy that doesn't have much faculties of anything. To be fair, the man was a professional football player, and he took a lot of hits. That's why he shouldn't be in government. No, of course. 
I mean, honestly, there should be a just basic can you tie your shoes test to be in government. Might be a good idea. But then you're limiting who can be in the right. Yeah, it's, you know, so that'll never happen. But Well, you wouldn't have to overly limit it. Right. You could just start with like average intelligence. Would that be too much to ask? <laughs> yeah. Well, think how stupid the average person is. 50% of the people are stupider than that. And those are the ones who generally run for government. So. True. But you got to set your bar pretty low so that you're not excluding people. So even if they did that, at least you'd get rid of real idiots, you know, and then you just have to deal with the average idiot, which would be mm -hmm. at, at least a lot better. Theoretically. Theoretically. <laughs> uh, anyway. All right. Carrie Ann Lismby. She has six kids and she homeschooled them all. And as soon as I saw that, I'm like, oh, yeah, she's a Mormon. She has... A Bachelor of Arts in Family Life from Brigham Young University. What does that mean? It's her MRS degree. What's an MRS degree? That's what happens when a Mormon girl goes to college so that she can find a husband. They call <laughs> it getting her MRS degree. The abbreviation for Mrs. Wow, well, she's living her best MRS degree life. Family Life. That literally is a degree on how to be a mom. That's it. That's shouldn't be a degree. That's so dumb. Yeah. So she's the Utah House Majority Assistant Whip, whatever the fuck that means. But she's not the leader of it or anything. No. She's part of the leadership team. Exactly. Um, and she obviously wants to increase restrictions on abortion. She wants to ban all abortion. Does she really? Wow. You know, I had a dream last night that I actually had an abortion and it was a late stage abortion and I actually found the whole dream very disturbing. I can imagine. Yeah. And like, I don't think anyone wants fetuses being aborted at nine months, but there would be times when it needs to happen. Extremely rare, but yes. I like what DeSantis has done and uh, don't apply that to everything. Okay, good, because DeSantis is an absolute shithead. But at least he's a little more sensible in regards to the abortion laws in his state. He picked, I think, 15 weeks or whatever. He's not an advocate for completely banning abortion. It's like, okay, let's pick somewhere in the middle. you got to be reasonable about these things. It has to be allowed and we have to have some line in the sand where it's drawn off. I think it would be better if the line was a little later, but no one wants it at nine months. You know, people aren't monsters. Right. But anyway, Jesus Christ. I wish that politics could include the discussions of left versus right ideas without religion being in the mix because there is a lot to be said about conservative versus more liberal ideas that should be debated. But when you put religion in the mix, it just fucks up the whole conversation. It short circuits morality. You only have to think so far up until this is what God says, so this has just got to be what happens. Mm. It's like the right-wing politicians who knock up their mistress and then send her to Canada to get an abortion. <laughs> Was that Herschel Walker? He paid for mistresses or girlfriends to have two abortions, and now he's like campaigning on the whole no abortions ever for anybody. That's crazy. I just wish that he could be a Republican whose stance was, hey, you know what? I've had abortions and I think we should have abortions up to and then pick a number of weeks that he's supporting and then run on that. He would not 
have a chance. Abortion should be on the table for both parties. It's not a conservative versus non-conservative thing, but well, religion just fucks it up. Exactly. I mean, Republicans in this country are basically religious zealots. Yeah, but it shouldn't be that way. You cannot bend. You cannot have a differing opinion if you want to have a career in politics. And honestly, it's for either side. It's just really religious in my country. Yeah. So I just want to get to the last point about this Carrie Ann Lisenby. You know, if only you could get rid of her from being in the legislature. But the problem is they're probably all like this. Yes, they're very cookie cutter and they mm. all belong to something called the Eagle Forum or they're at least all beholden to the Eagle Forum. Mm. Does it mean that they like to be spread eagle for their husbands? No, it means that they are assholes. Oh, okay. Nothing exciting. After the Roe versus Wade reversal, she spoke to the media about whether she trusted women with reproductive choices. I'm assuming somebody asked her a question. And she says, I do trust women enough to control when they allow a man to ejaculate inside of them and to control that intake of semen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what? She's right on one level. Yes, everyone has to take personal responsibility for when they have consent sensual sex and what sort of contraceptive they're using great but that just doesn't take into account coercion or rape or any of that which happens all the time with women Mm -hmm. (laughs) sure does it's very common for a woman to even just be like oh well i'll just take one for the team just so that i can get out of this place earlier and that's where it falls into this like gray area of okay was it rape or because she was scared of the guy that she was with or because it's better that than being forcibly violently right for whatever reason maybe it was just easier. I mean, I just don't know what to say to this woman growing up in Mormon culture. I don't doubt that the choice is probably largely hers as to who she marries. And maybe in a good marriage, she doesn't have to accept her husband's semen if she doesn't want to. But she doesn't realize the flip side of her own culture. (laughs) There would be lots of Mormon marriages where women are just essentially being raped all the time by their God-appointed husband. Yep. And it doesn't take into account any of that? No. Just so one-sided. Her attitude is, well, I've been able to control when I get pregnant. (laughs) That's right. So everyone else should be able to. You know, in a society where you got pregnant, you had the baby, and Jesus was happy, so. That's right. Yeah, she's like, well, if I can do it, everybody can do it. And she's had six kids, so she was pretty happy to just let it run. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she controlled it by just letting it flow on in. Let it run all the way down her leg. <laughs> oh my god. Basically, Eagle Forum is super conservative, anti feminism. Yeah. It was started by Phyllis Schaefer, who was like the a spokesperson for the anti equal rights amendment back in the 60s and 70s. So they're basically a bunch of conservative assholes. And here in Utah, very influential. They're really big on anything having to do with sex and making sure that nobody talks about anything has to do with sex. They are one of the main drivers behind the whole abstinence only sex education the kids get here in school anytime like somebody brings up hey maybe we should have some action 
sexual education and sex education. They come out, they pass the anti-trans bills for trans girls being able to participate in high school sports. Of course. They were the ones who drove the legislature to override our governor's veto of that. Yeah. Uh, I don't even know what to think about that. It's just like one cherry on top of the whole fucking horrible cake. I mean, I'm open to having a discussion about who should be competing against who just because of the logistics of body strength and whatever else. But as long as it comes from a place of trying to actually solve problems and make sport fun for everyone, then yeah, let's talk about it openly. Let's not be afraid to discuss things. But when it just comes from a point of view that they're just not even going to think about it because it says in their Bible that male and female, he created them. Right. Then, you know what? What's the point? I was going to talk about another article I saw about mental health, but to be honest, it kind of made me mad, actually. Oh, yeah. And it should. I wish religions would stay out of mental health altogether because religion is the reason I struggled so much with my mental health when I was young. And even now, every time... Yeah. I have problems with like OCD or with worrying about how I'm fitting into society. It's always because of something that religion has done to society and that scares me. Yes. Uh So. Understandable. So you have an article. It's from Deseret News. Yes. My favorite Mormon fodder site. As I've said before, is the propaganda arm for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I know. The study that they were citing was from the Springtide Research Institute, which is a faith-centered research group researching how young people interact with religion. So they are pro-religion. They already have a bias. And so what this study says is that, oh, if young people are religious, both straight people and LGBTQ plus people will benefit from interacting with religion. Their findings, if you will, agree with their bias. They were claiming that queer people have more mental health issues. Yeah, that's because you're setting the yardstick of what mental health is. Yeah, exactly. They're creating a society that makes it hard for queer people to live in. Exactly. And when people find it hard to live, that's called mental health issues. Mm-hmm. Oh, just it really shits me. They should include the ability to live a happy life while still having a great degree of cognitive dissonance as being a mental illness. Now, if they included that as a mental illness, Mm. all of these religious dickheads would be very mentally ill. Oh, yeah. Sure, they're happy, but it's fucked up. It's great that they're happy, but the problem is when you're happy with a false view of the world, it's not reality. And then you make bad decisions because it's based on unreality. I have to deal with this a lot when dealing with my mom and dad. The whole thing of, well, we're happy. Well, you're happy, but you're living according to lies and falsehoods. And they've never been able to relate to me and understand why I am not happy in their religious thing. Because growing up, I saw the logical fallacies and I couldn't square myself with, if this is demonstrably doesn't make sense, then why should I follow it? 
they're happy just ignoring those fallacies and go, oh, yeah, we'll learn about it when we'll die. No, no, you'll be dead. You ain't gonna learn shit. Yeah. But, you know. <laughs> oh, my God. All right. So let's move on from that article. The next thing I want to talk about is the callback to something you were saying earlier about how Rusty has announced a whole bunch of temples, but he hasn't actually built them yet. And you're absolutely right. I had an article here where he's announced 118. Yep temples since becoming the president. Only two of the temples that President Nelson has announced have already been built. All the rest of them, the ground hasn't even been broken on them yet. And in this article, they try and say, oh, well, it takes a long time for this to happen. Well, yeah. they maybe don't announce all these fucking temples until you actually have something to show for it. But all right. it's a shell game. He is announcing all these temples to try and form a legacy. But it's a Potemkin town. In Russia, there was a town that the Tsar was going to go through, and they built a whole bunch of fake house fronts to to make it look like this town was great and successful, but it was all just fake. That's wow. where that phrase comes from. Sounds like Russia now. Yeah, it's just smoke and mirrors. He's like, hey, look, all these temples. Oh, we're building temples. The church is growing. No, it's not. Reality, the church is not growing. But the faithful can look and hear that a temple has been announced, and that's all they have to think about it. And it's not like they're ever going to go to bumfuck Russia, where a temple is never actually going to be built. But the prophet said there was going to be one built there so yeah it's just bonkers he's just locked onto it he hasn't maintained any neural networks in his brain as he's aged all he's maintained is mormonism so this is all he can do yep so that led me to another article where rusty since his general conference thing on temples is still talking about temples oh yeah temples 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 he's trying to build himself the legacy of being the temple prophet oh he already has it doesn't matter what happens now even if he doesn't build another fucking temple right just the amount of times he's mentioned the word temple will leave him as that legacy yep and we know he's gonna die soon he's 98 fucking years old he's pretty ancient here's a little quote from this devotional that he did recently we build temples you will build people prepared to enter them mm-hmm. really rusty I'm gonna do this and you're gonna make sure people come and visit them yeah <laughs> just because you build the temples doesn't mean you've even got enough people to put people into them. Most likely he was being literal about building them. Have babies and make those babies be Mormon. Even Sister Wendy got to have a little something that she said at this devotional and it was just so boring. The photos in this are just fucking hilarious. Scroll down it's the second photo. Look at that choir. They look so unhappy. What the fuck? This is not how young people should look. Well, that's how Mormon young people should work. Look at that fat guy on the left. It's no wonder he's fat. He's so miserable. Hey, as a fat person I take objection. I'm a very happy fat guy, so. Okay, well, that's good. So is Brad Wilcox. He's a very happy fat person. Mm. It does happen, but yes. I just feel sorry for these people. Like, mm -hmm. their unhappiness cannot be doing good things for their health, because it affects you. Yeah. Oh my god, and he was talking about the new booklet that they've made for the strength of youth. Apparently they've 
updated it with a few things and that oh i remember that one oh. that's the one that you read as a young man that said to not touch your little factory yeah don't jerk off yeah he doesn't get specific about it but he says like if you're struggling go and see your bishop and work through it. it's like what's the bishop gonna do how are they gonna help all they're gonna say is don't do it right and you'll lose your temple recommend well and it's not like they have any training on how to deal with anything that's not going to be helpful you know they're just a plumber Right. So unless you have a plumbing issue, they're not going to be able to offer you any actual actionable advice. I tell you what, those young men will have plumbing issues if they don't play with their little uh, factories. Well, yes and no. I mean, you got the release valve of nocturnal emissions. That's right. They'll probably be able to focus more on their life, though, if they uh, manually release a little more regularly. Right. If they didn't have to deal with all the underlying guilt that has been programmed into them from the get-go. Yeah. It's interesting. Like, you know, I'm a red-blooded male. I enjoy looking at naked people, and I partake in viewing pornography. Oh, absolutely. Me too. I've done it pretty much my whole life, you know. But, uh-huh. you know, back in 2019, when I told my wife that, you know, I was done with the church, I wasn't going to do this anymore, I also told her, and I'm not going to keep trying to make myself feel guilty or stop looking at pornography or stop stop swearing right or do these things that i wanted and you know what happened nothing i started looking at porn less all right without that guilt associated with it you know there's not the compulsion to look at it the church doesn't understand anything that they assign guilt to that is part of a human drive that's when it becomes something problematic it's not when you just deal with it as a part of your life i think it's really great when you can get to the point where you're walking down the street right and you're with your partner mm-hmm. and you see someone who you find sexually attractive and you can just say oh wow check that out and it doesn't mean that you want to split up with your partner it doesn't mean that you want to commit adultery but you're just right able to openly discuss the things floating through your head because when you're in a close relationship with someone you should be able to discuss the things that float through your head without it being sure jumping down your throat and being like oh that means this and this and this how dare you oh how could you possibly it's like no i still want to fuck you right yeah just saying like wow i just that took my breath away yeah isn't that wonderful my wife notices when i check out women i don't notice it i'm like (laughs) it doesn't even really register it's my Uh lizard brain going ooh, boobies you know oh meanwhile my conscious mind is trying to remember the lyrics to a song i heard when i was seven years old there's a lot going on up there and it it distracts you as she's let go of religion my wife is you know comfortable with they'll be watching a show they're like "Ooh, he's cute and you know but i know that doesn't mean my wife wants to have sex with taika watiti she just thinks he's a hot piece of man meat that's fine (laughs) all right another thing i found funny was there's this other article it was elder christopherson ah jesus he says the world needs disciples who can endure and do hard things and i'm thinking oh elder christopherson are you listening to yourself this whole article is a fucking euphemism mm-hmm. and it doesn't just stop there he actually talks about developing like a christian muscle or something yeah not someone who pumps weight but who works out their spiritual muscles uh they're working 
working out something, that's for sure. Right. <laughs> yeah, you know, I don't think that they're working out any <laughs> muscles, even in their mental capacity. They are just... Learning how to not hate their lives. Learning how to tamp down their cognitive dissonance. They are learning how to suppress their brain. They're not building anything. They are beating something down. Yes, Jones, they're definitely beating something down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I thought all of that was very, very silly. So mm-hmm. um, let's move on to the silly book then, shall we? Yeah. I've read chapters 9 and 10. Hopefully we'll get through it all. When I got to the end of 10, I'm like, what the fuck? These two chapters seem to be completely out of context with what we got up to in chapter 8. Yeah, they were talking about Ammon and King Limhi. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But all of a sudden, I don't know what happened to Ammon because they start talking about Zenith, some other dude. Yeah, chapter 9 through 22 are all a flashback. If you're looking at it on the Mormon Church's website, I'm not. it'll tell you up top here. It says, the record of Zenith, an account of his people from the time they left the land of Zarahemla until the time that they were delivered out of the hand of the Lamanites. This is flashing back to when Zenith, who was the dude who left Zarahemla 150 years ago with his whatever, how many people they were. So this is a flashback to that story. Yeah, there was no transition. Ammon was telling him about how, yes, there is a person who can translate these plates that you found. And then abrupt jump to the story of Zenith 150 years earlier. Oh, that makes so much more sense. Thanks, Jones. Say, I'm glad I'm reading this with you. So we're going all the way from Zenith up until Limhi's dad, King Noah, and all the bullshit that he got up to. All right, Jones. Do you want to give us the intro and take the first three verses? Mm-hmm. Sure thing. Okay. Chapter 9. Zenith leads a group from Zarahemla to possess the land of Lehi-Nephi. The Lamanite king permits them to inherit the land. There is war between the Lamanites and Zenith's people about 200 to 187 BC. Now, if we look back here uh, at chapter 8 in their oh-so-accurate time dating up there, that's about 121 BC. So that's also showing that this jumps back another... Fuck me, really? It was only 80 years? Yeah, it was 80 years and somehow they built a giant fucking city. Ah, oh, ridiculous. It's just so dumb. So it's not logical. So these are obviously the plates of Zenith mm, or whatever. Anyway. Okay, verse 1. I, Zenith, having been taught in all the language of the Nephites and having had a knowledge of the land of Nephi or of the land of our father's first inheritance and having Having been sent as a spy among the Lamanites that I might spy out their forces, that our army might come upon them and destroy them. But when I saw that which was good among them, I was desirous that they should not be destroyed. Therefore I contended with my brethren in the wilderness, for I would that our ruler should make a treaty with them. But he, being an austere and bloodthirsty man, <laughs> commanded that I should be slain. But I was rescued by the shedding of much blood for father fought against father and brother against brother until the greatest number of our army was destroyed in the wilderness and we returned those of us that were spared to the land of Zarahemla to relate the tale to their wives and their children. So they squabbled about whether they should fight instead of actually doing 
the fighting. Right. Their civil war basically wiped themselves out. Well, yeah, wiped out half of them. It wasn't a lot of people that went off into the desert and roamed around and got lost. No, it wasn't. That's the other thing that makes this really confusing is because they've just had a story where a fresh crowd of people went off into the wilderness and roamed around and got lost. And then this next thing starts with that happening again. They went off into the desert and fucking hell, I just, oh. Yep. Joseph, Joseph. Joseph! They had so few people. I don't know how they could say father turned against brother or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, how are they not all dead? Well, because they're all fake. Yeah, that's right. If only they had done themselves in, then we wouldn't have this stupid story. Yep. All right, verse three, go for it. All right. And yet I, being overzealous to inherit the land of our fathers, collected as many as were desirous to go up to possess the land and started again on our journey into the wilderness to go up to the land. But we were smitten with famine and sore afflictions, for we were slow to remember the Lord our God. So, if anything bad happens to you, it's because you're not remembering God. Right. So, they fought each other, fucked it up, went back to Zarahemla. So, have we heard of them going back after that? I can't remember. I mean, there's just been so many stupid tales. That's the thing. I can't remember either. I'm wondering if this is the first we've heard about this, you know, civil war out in the wilderness. I'm going to have to go back and look. They gathered some more people and... And then they went back out again. Yeah, they went back out. Why would you do that? Uh... It's like, do you want to go and die out in the desert with some crazy people? Follow me, Zenith. Yep. First four. Nevertheless, after many days of wandering in the wilderness, why are they still wandering in the wilderness? Haven't they been out here before? You'd think they'd know where to go, right? Well, no. Zenith should know where to go. He doesn't need to wander in the wilderness. He's been out there a long time and he's fought his way back. Right. Anyway, we pitched our tents in the place where our brethren were slain. He likes to pitch his tent on top of dead people. (laughs) He's such a necrophiliac, isn't he? There you go. Which was near to the land of our fathers, whatever that means. And it came to pass that I went again with four of my men into the city, in unto the king, that I might know of the disposition of the king, and that I might know if I might go in with my people and possess the land in peace. Right. Because earlier he said he was a spy. When he saw the goodness among them, he wanted to be peaceful. The other guy was a guy who was like, no, we came here with a mission, and that mission was to kill these people, so that's what we're going to do. And that's why they fought a war. And I went in unto the king, and he covenanted with me that I might possess the land of Lehi-Nephi and the land of Shilom. So that is the first case we're here of Shilom. Right. I guess people have tried to make a map of all of this, but you really wouldn't be able to come up with much. Well, there have been a number of attempts. The original intent was that all of this land was North America, specifically the part of North America that Joseph lived in. And there are a lot of parallels there. But as it became more and more evident that there was absolutely no evidence of these giant civilizations here, (laughs) people have tried to move it down into Central America and South America, and they've tried to make connections there. But you're right, it never really actually lines up with anything. Joseph was not a cartographer. 
So you'll have to be kind and excuse him, his bullshit geography. He just talks about the land of Lehi Nephi, just like we should know what that is. I mean, what is that? Well, that's the original area that Nephi and Lehi and their family landed in. Okay. Yes, I remember that. And they built a temple pretty soon after, right? Yeah. See, but here's the thing. We assume they built it, but no, they just announced it. Oh, they just broke the ground, Jones. No, they didn't even do that. They just announced it. This is where Rusty gets it. And they all rejoiced for several days because... We've said it, yep. So good. Exactly. I think it's back to you. Yes, it is. All right, verse 7. And he also commanded that his people should depart out of the land. And I and my people went into the land that we might possess it. And we began to build buildings and to repair the walls of the city, yea, even the walls of the city of Lehi-Nephi and the city of Shiloh. And we began to till the ground, yea, even with all manners of seeds, with seeds of corn and of wheat and of barley and with knees and sheam and with <laughs> seeds of all manners of fruits. And we did begin to multiply and prosper in the land. I wonder how Joseph pronounced this when he was telling it to his children because Sheam. you know that he's thinking, oh, I've got to think of something that sounds prehistoric. Mm-hmm. got to think of an ancient grain. Uh, knees. He includes barley and wheat, neither of which existed in North America until white man showed up thousands of years after this was supposed to happen. But whatever. It's all bullshit. And then not only did they have all of those things and a couple of things that we don't know what they are, he also says they had seeds of all manner of fruits as well. Just all manner of fruits. Yeah, you could have left out all that other bullshit. Just cut out all that corn and wheat and barley and knees and sheam and that would be fine. And of course, if you look up the word sheam on Google, the only mention is... (laughs) By Mormon sources. The Shiam was a crop cultivated by the ancient Americans. We have no idea what the hell it actually is, but... We have absolutely no archaeological evidence for this, but yeah. Does your Book of Mormon there have like a footnote that says what crops those two things might actually be thought to have been? No, there is no footnote associated with those. Crickets! And that's because this is the only place anywhere in the scriptural works of the Church of Jesus Christ of bullshit that these words appear right here in this verse in this chapter, in this book. Knees and with Shem, and that's the only place it ever appears. He doesn't mention it again, ever. That's something that got me about Rusty's latest speech that we spoke about earlier. He says, spend your time studying and researching when you're on the internet. The thing is, though, if you do that, you're going to leave the church. You're only supposed to study the approved sources, though. (laughs) If you're on the internet, you should only be looking at the church's website for study. Uh, materials. Even if you come to the approved sources with an open mind, my God, it proves itself silly. Well, here's the thing. You are not supposed to approach the approved sources with an open mind. Ah. As opposed to looking at it with a faithful mind. Uh, Yes. You are going to find the sources that the church provides to be completely inadequate and honestly badly written. And the arguments that they make will lead you to have more questions. And 
and you will go, hey, but they said this, but then they said this, and those things are two conflicting things. This makes no sense. He's so confident that you're going to find answers he's going to agree with. And I'm like, dude, you are so out of touch. You just have no idea about how mass information is these days. Yeah. He should get on there and actually use the internet to see what he's up against. He might leave the fucking church then. The higher ups in the church can't leave the church because not only does their livelihood depend on it. That's their nest egg. But their families, their children, their grandchildren, they're all tied up in it. They've put too much into it that they will lose too much if they go against it. Yeah, they will. You're chucking yourself out of your social structure. Yeah, exactly. It's hurtful. It's your credibility. It's your everything about you. Yeah. As one of the apostles or the 70s or first presidency, your entire being is built around being one of the heads of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And if you lose that, you are nothing. Yes, Rusty, you're nothing. You're a big nothing, Rusty. All right, sorry. What verse did you get up to? I did 7, 8, 9. So now you are on 10. Now, it was the cunning and the craftiness of King Laman to bring my people into bondage, that he yielded up the land that we might possess it. Therefore, it came to pass that after we had dwelt in the land for the space of 12 years, that King Laman began to grow uneasy, lest by any means my people should wax strong in the land, and that they could not overpower them and bring them into bondage. God, this language. And they were lazy and an idolatrous people. Therefore, they were desirous to bring us into bondage that they might glut themselves with the labors of our hands. Yea, that they might feast themselves upon the flocks of our fields. Yogu! Okay, verse 13. Therefore, it came to pass that King Laman began to stir up his people that they should contend with my people. Therefore, there began to be wars and contentions in the land. For in the thirteenth year of my reign in the land of Nephi, away on the south of the land of Shilom, where my people were watering and feeding their flocks and tilling their lands, a numerous host of Lamanites came upon them. <laughs> Gross. 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 And began to slay them and to take their flocks and the corn of the field. And yay, there was Bukaki that day. Yeah. And everybody had to take a shower. And a load first. <laughs> Verse 15. Yea, and it came to pass that they fled all that were not overtaken, even into the city of Nephi, and did call upon me for protection. He says that they were a lazy people. They're so lazy that they're willing to make war with this people. That doesn't sound lazy to me. That sounds very zealous. Right. Well, <laughs> lazy in that they don't make clothes and grow crops. This is just a reflection of the attitude towards the native people of this continent, you know? Right. And so he's just writing it into the book. He says that they wanted to overpower them and bring them into bondage, not go in and start slaying them. If King Layman kills all these people, he's not going to have any slaves. Mm-hmm. So they just start riding in and just 
killing people. Why? Right. Well, we could spend all year trying to logic this one out. There's no logic. And I will. I'm not going to let the Book of Mormon get away with fucking anything because this shit really pisses me off. You, you don't know which verse you're reading because they all start the same, don't they? And it came to pass, yay, and it came to pass, yay. And it, yeah, exactly. It's repetitive bullshit. Each verse is the same as the last. Mm-hmm. And it came to pass that I did arm them with bows and with arrows, with swords and with shimitars. Wow, that's cool. And with clubs and with slings. Oh, it's like he was thinking, what else should I give them? Oh, that's right, David and Goliath. I'll give them slings. Mm-hmm. Why the fuck would you use a sling when you've got a fucking shimitar, swords and clubs and bows? That's biblical. Oh, no, let's go with the sling. Well, they're just like somebody when they're playing Fallout 4. You just pick up every single fucking weapon and you come across. I fucking love that game. I'm actually doing that right now. My son was playing Fallout 4 on the computer. I was like, oh yeah, I like that game. So I loaded it back up on my Xbox and I kill some bad guy and I loot all his things and I'm just carrying around 20 guns and 40 pieces of armor and I can't walk because I got too much shit. It's stupid. I fucking played the living crap out of that game and I also created a mod for it. Oh yeah? Which one? It's called Hexagonal Roofs. Oh yeah? You can find Find it on Nexus Mods, and you can also find it on, I think, like the official one that you can get to from... The Bethesda? Yeah. Uh-huh. Now, I haven't looked at it in years. I hope they're still on there. It lets you put on roofs that you don't have the shapes for in the game. I don't know if you've ever played Conan Exiles. It sort of lets you do shapes that are more like that. <laughs> I'm looking at your mod right here. It's still up on Nexus. Cool. Yeah, ask your son to rate and review Patience Silly add-on for Fallout 4. I'd appreciate his thoughts. All right. <laughs> no problem. Oh, fuck. Where did I get up to? Fuck me. Uh, swords and shimitars. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And with slings and with all manner of weapons, which we could invent. Yep. Mm-hmm. They weren't inventing anything. I know. Strap a dildo to a stick. We'll call it the <laughs> Whackmaster 3000. That's just like Saints Row. <laughs> yeah. One of the legendary weapons in Cyberpunk 77 is a giant dildo, so. <laughs> awesome. That's so cool. Yeah. Anyway. We're supposed to read the Book of Mormon, not talking about video games. That's okay. I don't care. Yeah. I'll read the Book of Mormon on my time and make fun of it. There you go. Jesus Christ, I got a frog in my throat. Joseph has entered my throat. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, dear. I hope I don't get an STI. You'll get all the STIs. <laughs> Yay. In the strength of the Lord did we go forth to battle against the Lamanites. Yes, you just said that. For I and my people did cry mightily to the Lord that he would deliver us out of the hands of our enemies. For we were awakened to a remembrance of the deliverance of our fathers. Oh, okay. Yep. So we were about to get our asses kicked, but then we remembered Jebus and we were super soldiers. Right. Jebus who hasn't come yet. Right. (laughs) Verse 18. And God did hear our cry and did answer our prayers and we did go forth in his might yea we did go forth against the Lamanites and in one day and a night we did slay three thousand and forty three we did slay them even 
children until we had driven them out of the land. I love how specific they are. We counted every single one of them. And I myself, with my own hands, did help bury their dead. And behold, to our great sorrow and lamentation, 279 of our brethren were slain. So see, they were super soldiers. That's right. They fucked them up. It doesn't surprise me that he helped bury the dead too, because we know that he becomes sexually aroused around dead people. So he was all in on that. That's right. He pitches his tent around dead people. Thank you so much, James, for doing this silliness with me. And I'm looking forward to doing this again with you shortly. Sounds good. 